I'm about to tell you one of the biggest mistakes that has haunted me for the rest of my life. It is the reason why I will never miss a shot. Hello and welcome to Did I Do That? It's a show about the mistakes we make on the way to making graphic design because it is all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher and joining me today, a freelance design director previously of Instrument Hovercraft and Nike. And currently uh, hosts Lo-Fi Art School, uh, which is on the TikTok service. It is Nick A. Hello to you. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) What a good normal way to start a show. Yeah. Um, How's it going, Nick? Pretty good. Um, It's kind of a funeral for a friend day Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. We're back in the art building. We're back in Portland. And right outside the art building, there's this great big tree. And it is going to fall over. It's going to fall over maybe today because <laughs> it's really doing very bad. I think bad. it's falling over as we speak. It's probably, if you hear a very loud crash, it has fallen over um, and it's going to take out some power lines and it's going to be a whole mess. Um, but I'm I'm very curious what is going to happen because it's going to be a very hard place to cut down a tree. It's just on a road, just like right on the edge of a road. Um it's, just, it needs to we need to play a little emo song for it. To let it. There's that there's that sound on TikTok. I don't know if you I Oh god. Yeah. You you definitely know I, more about TikTok I than I do. I only speak in TikToks now. No, do it. it. There's oh my I need god. the youth. So I don't know I can I can't remember what emo song it is, but it's like it's not the original song, but it's somebody doing a parody of the Tonight will be the night that I will fall for you. <laughs> Over and over. <laughs> I can't. It's not like so. That's you got what, a good emo singing. So that's voice. what needs to play. It's like you know, tonight will be the night that I fall for you. It's like <laughs> crash. It just needs to go out on like an emo note. Yeah, just some slow motion black and white yeah. footage, and you yeah. know, emo's classic now. Emo, I guess it is. Emo has oh. its, gold, had a, its golden era. I mean, I remember when being like that, being like, what? What are these people? Who are you? <laughs> Why does your hair look like this? And why do you, where'd you get these clothes? Yeah. Everyone else was wearing the super duper baggy jeans like a year ago. And yeah. now, now you're wearing tight jeans yeah. that are all ripped. We went from Janko jeans to like the <laughs> tightest jeans cutting off blood circulation. Yeah. Um, Just completely the worst possible way yeah. that you could live as a human. But I mean, that's, both of those extremes, I would say. That, but isn't that just part of the course for humanity and like art movements, right? It's yeah. like we're going to revolt against what came before. <laughs> Did you ever wear like first of all emo garb, but second of all like Jinko jeans or anything like that? Um were you a scenester back in the day? I, I had a little bit of a scene phase for sure. But it was kind of weird because I grew up in a really small town, St. Helens, about fifty oh, yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. away from here. And I think the whole thing was just like it's more like it's just new metal. Right. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Oh, yeah. New Metal, which is really embarrassing um, because it's like... The, it was huge, though. It's like the bro movement of metal, you know? And I... <laughs> but honestly, I, I, with without any shame, I have to own, own it. You know, it's like, I love Limp Biscuit. <laughs> I love corn. I've, I've seen corn. I think Six Korn times. is the more respectable of the two. They've aged pretty well. They've no, aged pretty They're still touring, I think. They are, and I've thought about going to see them, you know, just to like be like, all right, number seven. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? The original band's about They're just together. middle-aged guys now. Yeah, they're just chilling out. Thing. Um, didn't have an emo phase, though. I, I kind of wish I did. I, I listened to old emo just as like, to kind of be like, oh, let's, 
I don't know, like, let's live in that world. Yeah. Right? Let's live in that world. I'll put on a playlist or let's something see, like let's that. Let's see through Connor Oberst's eyes yeah. for just a moment. But I, I respect it. I was meeting my partner's um, coworker, um, a lovely person, and she was telling me about her emo phase. And, oh. Um, I just, like, when you're in it, you're in, I was in middle school. It was like, <laughs> I, I didn't hate it, but I wasn't. it wasn't for me. Yeah. But now when I look back, I was like, I wish I had an emo phase. I like really wish that I did have an emo phase. But I would say mine was more like new metal, like goth mall, you know. But like Janko jeans were like a little just out of date, and I didn't have the legs, still don't, to wear really skinny jeans. This is about as skinny it's, as I yeah. get. And now it's funny. A couple of years ago, you know, skinny jeans really rode a wave, and and now like all the Zoomers are wearing big open pants, yeah. right? Like they're wearing bell bottoms, and it's just like oh, like. I try to really embrace the Zoomer culture, but I just cannot wear no. those jeans. Like, it makes me feel weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like... Well, they are they are themselves weird and uncomfortable. They're, yeah. They look like they would be comfortable, and then you put them on, and you're just like, oh, God, these weigh 20 pounds. Yeah, but I respect it. I respect yeah. the movement. I, I definitely respect the emo culture, and, like, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. You, like, on TikTok, it's all, like, what kids are doing today, and it's, like you know doing dances and stuff like that like all the things you would expect you know and then it's like what i was doing in high school and it's just like brushing your hair out of the way <laughs> so sad and then they're like you know the mirror pics you know yeah. the crappy like myspace you did you, you had a yeah. you had a little uh not quite a smile not quite a uh just you know like open mouth thing mm. yeah i'm here yeah i'm not putting any effort in but at the same time, I'm putting enormous amount of effort in it's here. It's very casual, except for all the work that I've done. And they weren't phones. No, like it was your mom's like family <laughs> digital camera. Yeah, with the know? little red timestamp in the yeah. corner. Yeah, yeah. You got like you're like, oh, I get my red eyes out of here with the flash, you know. <laughs> and there's like snot on the mirror of and course. stuff. And the ones who did it really well were like they could like kind of art direct their room. You know, which I'm just being honest, it's, a, it's an effort to art direct like a casual photo to make it look like that. Yeah. Get rid of all the like slippers and underwear and socks on the floor. Any signs that humans live in this space. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I'm just in a, like a, a model home. It's staged. <laughs> well, that's, that's why I have this home fill TV right here. Yeah. I feel like that's also like that MySpace era is also where people like who ended up getting into web design and yes. like, interaction type stuff often started html yeah you had to those of you who are very very young you may not know but myspace was a the wild west you could customize anything um probably to a dangerous degree <laughs> too much <laughs> like i'm sure there's some myspaces out there that like served malware or certainly served very loud emo songs yeah um but Ugh. yeah did you ever get into that world? oh yeah i was i was really into it and the html part of it actually was a really big like, a big reason why, like, I still kind of know any amount of a tiny bit of code. <laughs> but I can do some JS stuff. I can do some JavaScript stuff. And it's mainly because, like, oh, I've learned this, like, as a middle schooler. So it's kind of just, like, cemented in my brain. Yeah. You know, on our dial-up computer and, like, putting the Red Hot Chili Peppers and <laughs> YouTube videos and music videos and stuff like that. But, like, honestly, that's... It's probably a really good segment to like kind of start about like where my creative sense comes yeah. from, because that's where things started to really get serious uh, for me. Was MySpace? Um, <laughs> MySpace, uh, of course, the most serious space of all. Yeah, but you know, I grew up with a camera in my hands. There's two things I can remember as a kid. One of them was I was always on a computer. Which, yeah. for anyone listening now, hey, so did I. 
but you got to think, you know, if you're born in, I was born in um, 90. Back oh, so then. you were probably right at the age where you maybe had the internet and yeah. access to it from mm-hmm. a very, very young age. But the thing is, is being born in 90, you had to have a parent who was in the know about any technology. Yeah. So at the age of two, there's like photos of me like on my dad's lap on the computer. I remember. Oh. Yeah. I remember, um, or like also with my grandpa, I remember it was um, like DOS. I remember DOS and the blue screen. Um, I remember the games I could play. Um, so I've always been in front of a computer, which is not a nuanced thing these days. But for somebody, you know, in my era, it was a little rare. Yeah. So I've always had a computer in front of me. I've always understood how technology works. And I've always had a camera in my hand. There's probably, a, I think I was maybe like one and a half. I'd have been able to walk. I was on a little, oh. I was on a little trike, uh, like, a, um, like a little toy tractor. And I'm like mobbing around the living room. And I, at some point, the camera turns to the tv and that creates a feedback loop, yeah right? you know as an adult you're like oh yeah like feedback is just like that's like a big part of my <laughs> of my practice right and you know like yeah. that just like kind of breaking technology and like that it's just like that those moments had been very pivotal like more than i probably imagine watching that at eight versus you know however old i'm now 31 two <laughs> i forget <laughs> I, I, somebody asked my age and I'm like, they like think I'm joking when I'm thinking about it. But I look at my partner and she's like, you're 31. I'm like, oh yeah, thank you. I just forget. Well, I, I I can never remember my age. And I once had a terrible run in with a cop, uh, who (laughs) asked my age and I said, uh, 16. (laughs) And he's, he was like, "Mm, most people know their ages right off the top of their heads. And I wanted to say back to him, like. That seems pretty depressing, but <laughs> like, I'm if that's what's going on in your head, it seems pretty bad. Yeah, you wake up, you're like, I'm 39. 39, oh God. It's like 278,000 days left on this earth. Yeah. But yeah, camera always in my hand as a kid, and yeah. I always had a computer in front of me, and um, you know, always making movies as a kid, Lego movies. I was obsessed with, oh, yeah. with Jackass. Um, it took. It oh took, God! Yeah, that, that was at that age. So <laughs> the most dangerous possible influence you could have as yeah. a child. So I had a stepbrother who was like six months younger than me, and um, he was uh, he is much more into taking risks than me. He was like kind of an adventure adventure lad, a, a real Johnny Knoxville, a real family. Johnny Knoxville um, of our family. Um, Got and, onto Saturday Night Live and yeah. then said, "No, I want to go be kicked in the balls for all eternity." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so he was always doing bike stunts and stuff like that. So like, I just got a camera and I was like, "Hey, like, we love this show. Let's do it ourselves," you know. And like, <laughs> that's like that's as DIY as it gets. And and now, yeah. I, what, well, there, there was also a real like that show was so lo-fi in how it was shot and how it was produced. Mini like, DV it seemed really accessible. Like, yeah. you can do this. Yeah. Even though there's a, definitely a very large warning that they put with the skull and crossbones at the beginning yeah. that says, do not do this. Yeah. And we wouldn't do like that dangerous of stuff, or at least I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh-huh. it's funny because like, I, you know, I've I've led teams, I've built teams, I've done, you know, it's like um, people would be like, you know, how did you become like a leader? And you want to say some like royal question. I'm like, well, in the academy, when I was in design school, working underneath the great Seely Pines, you know. <laughs> Uh, and really what it boils down to actually was that like I learned to like make people feel comfortable on camera doing the stupidest shit you know it's like if you can convince your third you know younger than that if you can convince your 10 year old brother to jump off of like a six foot high you know cliff uh, into blackberry bushes uh, you know you're like what if you can do that you 
how bad were the injuries from this project? Oddly, not that bad. There's a no oh. because Blackberry Bush from Height is one of my definitely like yee. So like the worst stunt, I think. And this is I, I got this. This is a great story. <laughs> I'm glad we got right. here. Yeah, I, I I knew we'd get here. This uh, is this is a show about regrettable stunts. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, essentially, growing up, we I lived out in the sticks. I mean, it looked like the forest. So there was like um, there's a speak. We called it the, the hill. It was a really steep hill that went up to like a higher plane. Oh God. Where there was like uh, my dad had put a shop up there and stuff like that. So. This is just a kid magnet hill. Yeah, and it, but it's gravel, like big gravel chunks, right? Because you had to drive your trucks up there, so you had to be able oh, to get no. up there. I mean, this is logging area, right? So we had this thing called the hill, and the hill was like, you know, probably 100 yards, pretty pretty steep, pretty steep, big gravel chunks of rock, you know, like mm. stones, hard stones with hard edges. So <laughs> we had one of our friends come over at the time, and I was like, hey, we got this barrel. It was a um, a steel barrel and, and like not like oh, like no. a big one, a big one. Like you could fit a, a 13 year old boy inside of it. Um, <laughs> so like I was like, I'm not going down in that. But I was like, hey, this person, I won't say their name. This <laughs> is <laughs> out of respect for yeah, the family. Yeah, this fine young lad. Um, so I'm like, hey, like I got this great idea for stunt. Are you in? And like he was down. I don't think I convinced him <laughs> that much. I'm like, all right. So at the bottom of the hill. It was a crossroads, and then there was the creek. It was a creek, but there was probably like a 20-foot drop from the road into the creek. Oh. Oh, we're getting here. Oh, no. So the stunt was, <laughs> the stunt was, he's going to get in the barrel. My little brothers are going to push him down. He's going to roll down and um, hopefully avoid falling into the creek. I'm, I got my <laughs> shot lined up. Get my shot lined up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the midway point. I got, you're I really got thinking about the production. I really am. I'm yeah. like, I mean, from an early age, you know, I've always been thinking about how to, you know. Clear sight lines. Yeah. And, yeah. What does this look like? You know, like, I just want to make sure this is time well spent. <laughs> We're only going to get one shot at this. We can't do a reset. Exactly. I knew I got one take. I'm about to tell you one of the biggest mistakes that has haunted me for the rest of my life. And is the reason why I will never miss a shot. So he rolls down the, the hill. I mean. Picking up steam quick. Isn't a steel heavy barrel? He's going down. It's. I mean, it's like bouncing. You know, foot off the ground. You oh, know, it's God. like. So he is com- it like kicking up rocks too? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's cruising. So he passes me, and I got the camera, and I'm like, Vroom. um, he hits the road, and of course, veers off into the creek. Twenty foot drop off, splash. Oh, and all my brothers are like, we got to get him out. <laughs> <laughs> So they're rushing to get to him. If you watch the take on the camera, this is what it looks like. Are you ready? Okay, go. Shit! I wasn't rolling. So I I was recording wow. beforehand. So when I pushed what I thought was you know roll, yeah, it cut. And then when I cut, it started rolling. So that's the, the curse of cameras of that era, though. Yeah, people would do that constantly. Yeah, but it's funny to watch that because you basically get to see all the setup. You good? You good? You got the shot? Okay, we're ready. Everyone ready? Everyone on their marks and. Shit, I did not get the shot. I was so mad. I mean, like, and auto, I mean, I, I, I hope I'm not coming across as an insta. <laughs> I hope I'm not coming across as an ingenuine young lad because I think I was an outstanding young man. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but like I was really dedicated to getting that shot, you know, and it's like he just put himself on the line to do this. He wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. And, and this, I wasted his time. I felt so bad. <laughs> I felt so bad. And he was okay. He was okay. He was absolutely okay. okay. He was absolutely okay. And this is like the stupid stuff I was would do as a kid. Um, I think as I got older, I uh, safety has been much, <laughs> much more present in my practice than it was when I was a younger kid. I was just inspired by, you know, slightly fewer stunt opportunities as we get older. I find. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm. That would never. I cannot imagine a world where I would ever do that again. <laughs> ever. Um. You know. Well, bad news. We've got this barrel right here. Yeah. Let's go out to the old hill. Oh yeah. Bless anyone who uh, was a part of those videos. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I did a lot of that and um, a lot of movie making and just like you know in high school I ended up making a bunch of like we'd always like find a way to make like crappy music videos for like school projects. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know. So like I remember we did like a rap about like milk. It was just about the benefits of drinking milk, which is the biggest load of crap. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what was uh, that? If there's anything I'm really, like, disappointed in myself was that I made that music video about the benefits of drinking milk. I like, mean, that that was also probably the height of the Got Milk campaign, I though, think it too. Was. And it seems very much like something they would have tried. Yeah, but I fell for it. I fell for it. Mistakes were made. <laughs> Miscalculations. Do you remember any of the milk crap? I don't really remember it. I just remember it was like my my friend were like, "Oh, your name's gonna be two quarts, but your nickname will be half gallon." <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, I, made, I love it. I mean, I just made a bunch of stupid. That's great. Stuff. I mean, that was the era, and I realize now as like you know when I actually got to college and I studied all the things that inspired me, all the music videos, Jackass. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite movies was being John Malkovich. I'm like, oh, there's a through line here, and it's Spike Jones. Yeah, since a child, Spike Jones has been a huge influence on everything that I've loved. Directed like basically all the really really good music videos. Of yeah, that era. yeah. Like I mean, like he really did like. Such, such amazing work. I mean, like, all the Beastie Boy stuff, the Weezer stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. The drop music video for The Far Side. Um, You know, his short films are brilliant. And he came from, like, a background where he's shooting BMX and skateboarding. And he brought that into the language of what he was shooting in all his shows. Um, And he just knows pop culture. He's still really in touch with a lot of, like, musicians and creators of, of today, and he's just super brilliant. But yeah, he was a big inspiration and still is today. I mean, just like, um, it's just funny though. You don't realize that as a kid, like who's the person behind the person making all the moves, you know? Yeah. Well, I think like we talk about on this show, like how sometimes invisible design feels, mm-hmm. I think to people who are outside of it, mm-hmm. like there's this thing and who knows who made it. But I think in that era in particular, it was, it was even worse because, you know, they wouldn't when you're watching MTV, they're not gonna pop up a director credit on the music video. It's yeah. just like Yeah, okay. Limp biscuit, there he goes. Yeah. Or it's like small corner maybe you know, it's like the little like um lower thirds like tucked away. Yeah. I don't yeah, even then it's like did they even have the director's name in there? I don't think like, they did. Because I think yeah. it was all like it was all promotional for like the promotional and like the producing yeah. the record producer yeah it would, be, it would be like the band the album um and the record label probably yeah. those are like the essentials yeah the director is just like you know they're getting paid so yeah. there you go yeah exactly Enjoy. um so that's that's interesting and i i did but then at the same time i was very active in like you know design like i was making websites as a kid i remember in oh. seventh grade i brought 
uh, I logged into adnew.com and show them the <laughs> the the web space I made. The web. The what was website. it? I don't even remember. I think it was just like a bunch of photos, and I used um. It was a Microsoft product. It was a uh, front page. Microsoft oh front yeah, page. yeah, yeah. So I made a bunch of just like silly websites. I did like the internet archives and like went back and found some. And some of them are there. Some of them aren't. I saw the ones. I, none of the ones I did for myself, but the ones that I did for my dad. You know, like his like car projects and stuff like that, and just like photos of my brother on a dirt bike and stuff like that. You know, it's <laughs> it's kind of funny, but always just been always been making. You yeah. know, it, whether it's been playing music, shooting a lot of video you know web design that was the thing had you like had any formal design education or anything as you're doing these things or just like not as a kid yeah i was a terrible drawer which i think was a big reason why i was always hesitant to call myself an artist or a designer because i yeah. couldn't draw and then you know it's like then you get in your 20s and you're like oh we don't have to do that ever <laughs> it's just a mouse yeah there's just a mouse and like oh okay i guess i am these things you know and um but no formal education i mean um outside of like getting a ripped version of like illustrator and photoshop <laughs> you know like that's yeah. kind of like uh, i always used illustrator and it was always hacked not now i pay for those today i just want to say <laughs> anyone from adobe's listening i pay uh, i pay the big they price so much yeah. tracking on every computer yeah. i have a feeling that they know every single person yeah. out there but that's such a common story though for yeah like especially you know in our age group like i had a ripped copy of flash yeah and that was where i learned all about animation yeah. and vector art and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff which did set me up for frustration when i had to go to school and do illustrator <laughs> it was an era a flash era <laughs> yeah illustrator was uh not as fun to use yeah as a piece of software I mean, never really any form- formal training. I mean, I think my partner always like jokes around, which is like, all you need is the bare minimum of like a YouTube tutorial. She's like watched me go through a YouTube tutorials to teach myself something like really quick. I'll be like, how do you do this damn thing in Photoshop? Because like, I feel like Photoshop's thing I always forget. I'm like, it's always things are moving. Well, there's 8 million different ways to do the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So she'll watch me go through it. I'm like, did it? She's like, how do you know where to go? I'm like, honestly, there's an art to like sifting through BS on like you know adobe youtube tutorials you know like you just get to the good part (laughs) when it's funny when somebody will upload a video that's like here's how you do the thing and it's like there's no intro they get right to it it's less than a minute long and then the comments are like you are a king you are a literal king yeah help thank you so much like yes thank you for just cutting all this bullshit out (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no i know formal training really um and that really i think that's been a common theme for me i mean when i went to art school i went to a program at the university of oregon um, oh yeah yeah which was not then known as the digital arts program they called it d arts um which looked like (laughs) darts yeah it sounds like it's just gonna be darts yeah it's like yeah darts cool <laughs> got my stogie and my chewing tobacco uh-huh. and yeah i mean it's play darts you, at least your work will be televised in the uk for some reason yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> hard to imagine hard who's to watching imagine. that yeah but all right not me not me um but i respect it it's you know an, an art school you get a lot of kids come in and being like teach me final cut pro yeah teach me photoshop and the professors are like go teach yourself that because we're in an era now where you're going to have to learn to, you know, move with the tides because everything's changing. We're here to teach you about how to think critically. Yeah. And a lot of students did not like that. No. You know, they felt they were being kind of like, I don't know, like their education was being cheapened because of that. But it's like the whole idea, especially back then, this is like, you know, 12 years ago. It's like, then go to Full sale, Go to an uh, 
what are they like the academies the um... yeah or even like a lot of community colleges too will do like yeah. software specific classes yeah. you know you're learning a program that if you're lucky is going to have maybe another five years yeah. as the industry standard probably not though. yeah Absolutely. And then your skill is not worth anything anymore. Yeah. So I do appreciate that. And that's, I think, why that program worked for me. Because if I had to go do a bunch of technical stuff, I would have dropped out. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's no way. I was just, I had always taught myself things. And um, it would have been hard to just, for me, like, tools are always just, they're a tool. They're, they're for breaking. They're for pushing. Yeah. Like, and I don't want to sit through, like, a class about, like, how do we use the pen tool? <laughs> Well, you do kind of need somebody to explain that to you because it's so stupid. Yeah, but like paying like, you know, all that debt to like. Yeah, pencil. not great. Uh, yeah. So. yeah. Um. So you, you're in darts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're playing darts with all your friends. Yeah. Um, and like what what are you getting out of the darts program? Well, it's interesting because so let's even go back a little bit. So at the end of high school, I was doing a ton of video work, you know, um, a little bit of design work too. Um, I think at that point was really just focusing on just like making stupid videos with my friends. I ran, <laughs> I ran for ASB president, all student body president, and won, oh. and won. Um, oh, yeah, I was one of those kids. I was definitely like the like alternative kid who won. You know, like I was smart, but I wasn't the valedictorian. The person I beat was valedictorian. Uh, I don't think his mom thought that I deserved it. Um, she was not That's a, a cool energy yeah i she was not a big fan of me and i think you know and her son is brilliant super brilliant um lo- actually really like that family um great great folks <laughs> great folks seriously um the, you know the, the mom you know not a big fan of me that's fine that's fine i get it she thought i was like well, so she doesn't get a vote yeah she's not at the school she's like pto you know it's like i think felt like I, her son was probably the right choice and i get it you know and you know no shade there but i did win and i know it was greatly part of like it was a popularity contest to some degree you know i mean it's like you make funny videos yeah for your campaign and that was like the stamp that was the mark of success whether you were gonna win or not and you're you know we're rolling into senior year i got years of experience of cutting videos of people rolling down hills and Riding bikes into bushes. You, you have the knowledge for leadership. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. We can even watch. I have that video too. I still have that video on my. I Vimeo. would have loved to see. <laughs> it's 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 a great video. It's about me and like it portrays a young Nick Adnew as a celebrity at St. Helens High School. A celebrity. Yeah. So there's like a mob of people trying to like get my autograph, and they're like, "Are you gonna run for president?" And like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do it." And I'm like, "Oh wow!" And I got like security and stuff. We had like. The biggest football player is just like in all black and sunglasses, just like holding it down, you know, like pushing the crowd back, get back, get back. This is a high production value yeah. kind of stuff I for mean, that age. Yeah, maybe like uh, the like direct- proper setup. Yeah, it's yeah. And um, I took like the most popular kid in my class, Tyler. Love Tyler. So funny. He was like the cool kid. And I was like, it would be hilarious if you were obsessed with me. Because I was popular, but I wasn't like the it kid. I wasn't the jock. I was just kind of in between groups of like stoners, punks, and like all the like football players. Yeah. But I was like, it would be hilarious if you were obsessed with me. And like most of the video was like a documentary series about like your obsession with me. And it worked really well. It was like, it was like, it was How just like. How did you convince this Tyler? Well, we were actually pretty close. And oh. he always cheated off of my chemistry homework. No. <laughs> um, and like, time to call in the favor. Yeah. So like, and he, and you know, we were pretty good friends and we played rugby together in high school. So like, 
it was one of those things where like it wasn't that hard and he was re- he was a jokester too he was like super funny and like he was down for it he was definitely like the coolest yet like goofiest kid in high school in my class and it worked really well and like it just got so much so much applause and at that point too i mean that was my junior year of high school i had again spike jones right uh Beastie Boys. I even know I don't think he directed this music video, but I basically took the intergalactic music video, recreated the big robot. Oh. Did all the jumpsuits and wrapped intergalactic in front of the whole school for our like star search assembly. All right. So, yeah. And it was like a concert. It was like one of the like best moments of high school. Like the crowd was just like we were in the crowd. It was just honestly like it was wild, and I like just like a proper rock star yeah. like energy as you're dressed as this robot. Yeah, well, we were in the jumpsuits there. Oh, they Tyler was actually in the robot. Tyler actually, was the robot because he had really long arms. Um, but I learned all of my. I mean, I like practiced those lyrics for so long, and like to this day, if we're out at karaoke and they're like, "Oh, who wants to go?" I'll like see like what do they got for Beastie Boys because if it's like. I mean, I know way too many Beastie Boys lyrics, but Intergalactic and um, Paul Revere, I can do all three parts by myself. And I'm like, oh, shit. Gassed. And like, it's just funny because I think, you know, they're like, oh, what's what's this guy by himself going to do the Beastie Boys? What? I'm just like, you know, ad-libbing, like style, profile, (laughs) like just really out of breath, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But um, so I I was like known for just like bringing a lot of energy and like being fun and goofy and silly. So like I ended up winning and I think I did a pretty good job. Um, I think at the end of high school, it's like, okay, I have to figure something out. I kind of identified that like I wanted to get out of the small town really bad and I needed to do that by like making money and being successful. And it wasn't doing things that I liked, like being creative. It was like, okay, I'm good at math. I'll be an engineer. Oh. So I went to go be an engineer at Oregon State. Oh. And I got there the first, like before the first day. Um, It was like uh, the initiation day or whatever yeah. it is, you know, like introduction thing. And I was like, first off, this is a lot of dudes. <laughs> um, And everyone, like everyone like has like a common language that I don't have. Like they had all like been in like, they knew they were going to be developers. So they were like in the developer culture, you know? Oh God. And it was just like super duty. And I, I love devs. Don't get me wrong. I love working with devs, but that just wasn't my scene, especially back then. And like, you know, for me, I've always really liked to have a, um, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a soft boy at heart, Ooh. right? Like heavy dude, macho culture, never, never been my jam. No. And, um, I don't know. It just like it really didn't bode well with me, and I was like, I don't want to do this. So I like floated around Oregon State trying to figure out what the hell I wanted, and just like didn't like being there. I ended up transferring, and when I transferred, I got into a D arts class. I wasn't in the major yet, and it was with a professor named Ty Warren, Tyrus Warren, who's still a great, great mentor to me. I'm still there at the U of O, doing amazing things. Um, great name, yeah, Tyrus Warren. Just classic. Yeah. So I had first day being transferred. It was a rainy, wet winter day, and I go to this class, and it's time-based art. And I was just blown away. Like, this is everything I've done and loved, oh. and it's in the form of art. This is art. <laughs> I, I can be an artist doing what I've done. I can be a designer. Um, that just, like, day one, that revelation. It clicked, and I got wow. so obsessed. I was, like, one of those students who was, like, had a million different projects of my own going on, and I was just, like, doing the bare minimum on all the, like, lower, like, level art classes just so I could, like, check the box off. But I was, like, all my independent studies. I ended up, like, you know, kind of, like, making that happen. Kind of, like, you know, I, I was listening to the podcast with Adam 
the oh, episode yeah. with Adam and he like kind of had like all of his independent studies and when he was in school and it's like that's exactly what I did I just like found ways to do my own projects and get credit for it and took all the stuff I needed to take at the same time but I was like extremely like hungry to just like make and yeah I was like well maybe I'll be a filmmaker maybe I'll be a video artist I don't know I I did a bunch of different things but um you know doing a lot of design as well very terrible illustrations like <laughs> a little bit of everything we all have to go through that phase yeah so um I just was like super hungry and um I just freelancing a bunch with musicians like I think when you're when you're in the realm of, you know, video or motion design, animation, those type of things, or like heavy graphic design as well, I know it's like you start working with musicians because there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of uh, opportunities for them to take advantage of you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, the, not the musicians, but the record labels and uh-huh. all that stuff. So um, I ended up just like working with a bunch of musicians. I shot a bunch of music videos and um, just like got better and better. Where did that end up taking you? Like, did you stay with the the sort of music design track after that? Yeah. So I had, um, I ended up working with a lot of musicians while I was in school. I was like doing websites for them and just like, you know, like flyers and posters and stuff like that. And there was a musician I'd met in a web design class at U of O, which is really funny. um, Yeah. (laughs) That's how that worked out where I met him. Um, but, uh, it was a Python class and I just needed to graduate and it was so, so boring. Um, oh God. Python is not my jam. Python's not fun. Ja- JavaScript. Yes. Python hard pass. Like, <laughs> hard pass. I don't need, to, I don't It's a thing that's worse than JavaScript. If you can imagine that listeners. Yeah. Someone out there is like, he they said bad things about Python. Do you realize how much of our world is built on Python? Like these guys can go to hell. They don't know shit. Yeah. Well, so much of our world was built on COBOL too. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> so um, I'd end up working with this musician and I was like, hey, I have a friend at Oregon State who has access to the studio there. Like you have a bunch of great tracks. Let's let's record an album. So like helped get that all figured out. Wow. Planned a tour with him up and down the west coast his dad ended up buying him a trimet old trimet bus like one of the shorter ones um oh yeah the small smaller bus and we took that on tour um it was a massive massive disaster (laughs) (laughs) i can't imagine how that could be possible yeah so what what happened um the shows that were good were the shows you didn't expect the shows that were bad were the ones you thought were gonna be good and i mean it was just you know it's like yeah i'm not like a, a touring musician by any means but when i talk to i have a lot of friends who are you know professional musicians who work in band you know work as you know professional touring act and it's brutal like you it's a labor of love and you really have to want to do that because it's it's a grind and i experienced that and i would later go on bigger tours and just see what that was like and it's terrible like it seems terrible like a different city every night and the best show we had was at the whiskey a go-go and um okay yeah so it was a pay-to-play show and i remember like oh. we ended up owing him like a couple hundred bucks because we didn't sell our tickets and i like was like maybe i can talk to the guy maybe he's like compassionate and like went to his office and he's like everyone's smoking cigarettes inside and this is like in 2012 and he's like dude you owe me 400 bucks give me that 400 bucks or i'll take you to claims and i was like 21 year old kid just like fuck what do i do and um that was just a disaster but that show was really interesting because we go in there and every band is like death metal scream and here we are a touring act as like a white reggae folk singer (laughs) with a backing band 
And you think like, yeah, the audience is going to love that. Tour has been so bad already. Tour has been terrible. This is about to be the worst part of the tour. <laughs> we are heading into disaster territory. Uh-huh. You are a ventriloquist opening for, uh, you know, uh, what's a major band? Um, Metallica. The only name I could think of is Sha Na Na, and that's <laughs> certainly not a major band. <laughs> so we like go, you know, these bands before us, and we're all just looking at each other. And I think at that point, like, there was just like, we're none of us are on the same page. You know, so I think at that point, like, everyone's like, Nick, what did you get us into? Oh, God. So it's like the crowd is just, that's like, it's a, it's seen in LA. I think it's on, it's oh, Sunset Boulevard, I think. Um, it's a fairly major place. Like, I've yeah. heard the name before. It's not giant, but it's, a, you can tell they like pack shows there. Yeah. So, like, pretty big crowd, definitely a vibe that we were not a part of. And, you know, Austin gets up there and he goes for it. Crowd. Loves it. Really? Crowd loves it. I mean, like, it was a sight to be seen. It was weird. (laughs) This was just exactly what they needed. Like, it's the palate cleanser between all the hard metal. Yeah, going from Screamo to, like, you know, just, like, vibes. You know, just, like, slow vibes and just, like, singing about nature and stuff. And and, uh, crowd loved it. It was the best show. Everyone was so amped. And then... Afterwards, the next act <laughs> came on and it was like, <laughs> you know, it's like back at it. And they were into it again. It's just like, it was like really cool. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, I thought that was sweet. But, you know, so here we are going on tour and just like I'm doing everything. I'm shooting video, photos, getting content, you know, doing some design stuff, trying to have somewhat of a successful tour. Crash and burn for sure. A year later. I'm on stage at Sasquatch in front of 30,000 people. Oh, all right. Yeah. Whoa, that's a lot yeah. to happen. So I ended up working with Macklemore right before he gotten big. And uh, originally, you know, my strategy was email a ton of people and be like, hey, I want to work with you. And like 10 people would get back to you and one of them might actually work out. It's like a very a, good strategy. Yeah, like one to 100 ratio of whether your emails would get, you know, be successful and like yeah. anything. So I ended up working on the same love music video for them and pulling a bunch of archival footage. Uh, you probably, if you remember that music video, yeah. so I pulled all that archival footage and I got paid very well. First, really paying, you know, paying gig, really. Um, and uh did that it was really fun and continually to work more and more with them on their music videos and uh yeah came on full-time for a couple months i think all in, all together I worked with them for like a year and a half and got to see what it was like to be with a group who started independent grow really big and see the underbelly of how disgusting fame is and what it does to humans who have to go through that and uh can't tell you it i wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemies i don't have any enemies but if i did <laughs> if i had if i did you know that pto mom yeah no, she's not no. my enemy she's not my enemy but if it you know I, I would not wish that type of experience for anybody like i understand like the benefits of being able to have, be successful on a global scale when the only song bigger than you is gundam style you know like that's it <laughs> it's like gundam style and then you globally you I know think you mean gangnam style Sorry. but i do love the idea Gang- of gundam gundams doing yeah. yes gundam oh my god i was just talking about gundam yesterday so that's probably the reason why <laughs> a long conversation about gundam so that it was just it was interesting and um i learned a lot and um that culture it just it nothing about them as musicians or a group but the world that they have to be associated in to yeah. be that successful it tears you down it really rips you to shreds 
and there's like very the more successful you get the more scared you are that like things are just going to stop because yeah. you don't want to be a one-hit wonder and it's such an illogical thing to yeah. become successful at all yeah so you just ride the too. wave yeah you just ride the wave you know it's like you know what is it like to to be with somebody where it's like any given day you know if the band was in seattle it'd be like hey ryan ryan was like the second half of that group right um you want to go like i had tickets to go see mgmt i'm like do you want to go he's like i don't really feel like getting mobbed by people and you're like oh yeah like Fair i enough. see you as my coworker. <laughs> yeah. you're like my boss but we go out in public and we just get mauled by people i understand why you want to stay in the studio and not be seen by anybody yeah so yeah i left that opportunity i worked myself really hard um exhaustion and just and you're working 80 to 100 hours a week yeah traveling around doing weird hip-hop errands the weirdest <laughs> you ready for this one yeah I once returned a gold chain that was worth thirty thousand dollars <laughs> at, at, at a FedEx <laughs> in a paper bag. <laughs> Great, perfect, like stuff like that. Just, where you <laughs> just like that loose envelope that they have. So, it's all crinkly. We're on set in Los Angeles. Uh, we're outside of Los Angeles. We're like probably I don't know. We're somewhere in the middle of the desert. We had this like location where we're shooting photos. And we we had animal talent we had a tiger we had a oh, god camel we had flamingos all animal talent that i sourced myself as like a young dumb kid trying to like figure out like where do you get animal talent in hollywood <laughs> for the shoot um we had a super rare car did all this stuff and i remember it's like hey we're having some a jewelry person come who's gonna bring some chains i'm like all right cool and like it's Ludacris's cousin he f- oh he flew in from atlanta oh dude rolls up like blacked out suv hey what's up opens up a briefcase just like, I mean, millions of, had to been millions of dollars of gold <laughs> chains right there. Ben picks out a couple and he's like, all right, peace. Gets back in the car, goes right back to the airport, takes off. Oh, so he's not even staying around. He's no. just, he came to show you the case. Yeah. So it's like, he, wow. so like Ben had gotten, he, I think he had gotten one and then he's like, all right, but let's return the other one. So, um, he ended up returning it and he's like, Hey, don't, don't lose this. I'm like, <laughs> I was like. Ben, where do I, what do I do with this? And like, who anyone in the scenario knows what to do? I don't know. Go to FedEx. <laughs> so I'm like in line at FedEx with like this 30, like more money than I made in a year. Yeah. In my hands, in this like FedEx little paper bag, you know, just like, cause we had like a lot of shipping stuff there. So I brought it with me. I was like, went up the counter and like, Hey, I need to ship this. And here's the address or whatever. And they're like, all right, do you want insurance? I go, yeah, of course I want insurance. <laughs> no, I don't think yeah. I need it. Like, okay, what, what's inside of the bag? Or what are you shipping? And there's a long line of people. And I'm like, uh, it's a gold chain. It's gold. And they're like, no, but really, what is it? I sold the receipt. It was 1.2 pounds. <laughs> 1.2 pounds, and this thing's worth $30,000. Jesus. And um, I was just like, oh, it really is like, look inside if you want. Like, I swear to you, it is. Like, I just did not want like anybody to, I don't want to make a scene. Because, like, I was just really uncomfortable. It's so, like, you do weird stuff like that where it's like, you would have to, I've, the only other people I know who've been in the scenario, one of my good friends who I met later in life, he works with Brock Hampton, um, lived with them in South Central. Um, he still visits them. He's very close with them. He has a lot of similar stories where it's like, you kind of get put in these scenarios where you're like, no normal human would ever be put in these scenarios unless you live around or work around celebrity culture. <laughs> Um, so a lot of weird stuff like that and, uh, great stories to tell on a podcast. Um, <laughs> not a lot of good, like life lessons learned on, you know, those weird errands though. 
Well, I, learning that you don't want to be famous, I think, is a pretty useful lesson. Yeah. Uh, especially at a young age. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be chasing that dragon. No. So I, I, I burnt out really hard. I came back and um, barely finished my degree. And it was pretty depressed for, like, about a year. You know, you, you, you're you working and, like, I mean, everyone around me is just like, you're living that life. You're doing that thing. Yeah, you How should be amazing. so happy. And then when I quit, they're like, why would you do that? You're an idiot. And it's like, you don't, there was no, yeah. there's no trajectory. There's no career path no. there. You know? Being adjacent to famous people doesn't magically make you famous. No. And you know how bad that is now. Yeah. It's like, why would I want anything to do with this? And, you know, honestly, like, bless them for going through all of that and being normal functioning human beings. Like, my yeah. tip of my hat. Um, and also, Macklemore is, like, the funniest person I've ever met in my <laughs> entire life. If he was not... Uh, if he was not a rapper from like the moment he turned a teenager and he was just like, I'm going to be a comedian. Like he would, he would be having Netflix specials right now. I He's feel like funny. there's people that are like that, that they're just going to be famous He's no so matter funny. what. And it doesn't really matter what they're going to do. It's just, it'll happen. Yeah. And then there He's, you go. He's just like a cool dude. Like yeah. one of the funnest people, most fun people you could probably kick it with. Just like his knowledge in hip hop and just like pop culture and sports and just like, he's just so funny. Like, it's just funny. Cause like, just normal people. Yeah. Just really normal people who just get really successful. <laughs> and have you drive to FedEx to mail a gold chain yeah. to Atlanta? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so I was really depressed. It's incredible depressed. that that was not stolen. Yeah, I just know. Just from people in that line. I know. I Yeah, that's kind of that like murky mess of how I got to like, how I got to become a, a post-grad working professional. Life got a little more boring after that. <laughs> well, I mean, you I think you went on to pretty great success. Yeah, so I'm very active as a mentor in the design community. I you know, I'm currently adjunct here at Portland State and even before that, I've been very involved with I've had probably like 35, 40 reports professionally over the last 3 years. Wow. I've mentored a lot of people. I love growing young designers when they're super fresh and they need that support. I had so much great support from mentors when I was younger. I always really try to go out of my way to be like a helping hand and making sure to like stick my neck out for people who I can see there's pure talent. And yeah. One of the things that I like a lot about myself is that I feel like I'm a really good talent scout where I can identify like you have the makings of being somebody who's going to be like great. You know, yeah. I mean, even if not, like, even if somebody like maybe they're not at that point in their career where like they haven't really blossomed because some people just blossom later in their careers. If they have the desire to reach out and they have like the courage to like ask somebody who spoke at their design class at the U of O or whatever at Portland State and which and everybody, if you are a design student, have that courage. Yeah, reach out to people. If you reach out, I'm like, I'm gonna give you the time. I've I'm tell a, them that you like their work. Yeah, they will appreciate it. Like, fortunately, unfortunately, it's kind of how it works. Where you really need to just like have conversations and talk with people and understand how the industries work. And yeah, a lot of like that fake, um, I don't know, like that illusion of what success is and what it actually is. Like, I always try to break that down a bit to be like, what you think is going to make you successful is actually incorrect. Yeah. Um, it's a lot uglier than that. It's pretty brutal. Um, and, you know, even the ideas of like what is growth and what is success as a creative, um, often it's understanding yourself. It's not, how am I better at the pen tool? You know, 
How do I know? Do I know yeah, Figma? It's time for your annual evaluation, Nick. Yeah. Your pen tool skills have gotten much worse yeah, this I know. year. I know. I don't oh, use the alt key enough. get that promotion. Yeah. But it's like, do you understand yourself and do you understand yourself as a creative and like what, what really makes you unique? Because I see so many students, young designers, even people who've been in their career for a long time where they're trying to force themselves to a box that I don't think they really want to be in. Yeah. Myself included. I've been there. I've done that. I still do it. I will, always will. But it's always refreshing when you're like, hey, you have everything you need from the skill set side. You just need to understand like what your POV is. What are you trying to do? Why do you do this? What was the reasons you started to do this to begin with? Yeah. And like tapping into those things is often what brings, at least what I've seen, bring a lot of young designers success. Yeah. It's like finding that like passion thing that, mm-hmm. you know, is at the heart of like what you want to do yeah. instead of what you feel like you have to do <laughs> yeah. for some reason. And there's the hard realities of like, I'm really passionate about this and I also need to make money. And yeah. I think there is a time and a place where you say, I'm going to make money doing this and I'm going to have my passion doing this. And separating those two can be one of the most powerful experiences because if you're a creator, you're a maker and you feel like you must make to exist in this world, you need to find that space where you can just do that without it being monetized or there being a dollar sign attached to it, you will be so much more happy when you can do that. Yeah. So that's very, very good advice. But so the TikTok thing is interesting because I have had this idea in my head about this kind of like bootstrap, like art channel, you know, but knowing what I know about TikTok and the kind of research that I've done, it's like you go into it with one thing and what you actually end up doing is a little different. Yeah. <laughs> because of how the technology works. Yeah. So I went in there with kind of like a wide, not a super wide gamut, but like kind of like a gamut of things. And I've started to narrow more and more down to like what I want to communicate. And honestly, like what I feel like what exists on the platform, what is the algorithm and what is like the beast need to be fed in order to like kind of show up and be a, a creator who can actually have their work seen on a regular basis. Which is such a weird, because it's also a thing with TikTok, right? Where like, even if you follow someone, they don't really necessarily see your videos consistently. True. True. So weird. Yeah. Because the algorithm is just like picking for you in in an essence to like show up on somebody's, you have to put a little bit of effort into it. And I think there's kind of the language people are realizing or like the functions you need to do to be able to make sure you stay up to date with somebody's work. Yeah. To be able to comment or like things, um, to visit the profile every now and then to make sure that they kind of hit your algorithm. But for me, I started wide. It was kind of art and design. It got a little more and more like kind of uh, sharper. And now I'm this like iteration of it very quickly came to an iteration of just like the intersects of art and memes. So the intersect of art and memes. <laughs> it's always been something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I've, I have many interests, but like I'm always been really interested in just like how culture spreads especially on the internet yeah and like memes is just like something i've always been really tapped into so i made a video about memes and i was like god that was fun i just it's like it's like kind of when i went to college you know it's like oh yeah there's all these things i like to do but what i really like to do is this yeah i could talk and you know goof around about this stuff for hours i can make videos forever i can talk about memes forever My dad asked me a question because he's my dad got me into TikTok. Really? Yeah, my dad is interesting. He's uh he's like fifty eight now, I think. He's always been on like the cool kid stuff, you know. Like when I was in high school, he was listening to the new metal stuff with me, and uh, he was like, "Dude, you gotta check out TikTok." And I'm like, "I'm not gonna, no, no." And why are you on TikTok, <laughs> old man? No way. <laughs> and he's like, "No, you're gonna like it. It's really good." And you know, this was like two years ago, like beginning. Oh, so early, early days. Right, begin before, before, right at the beginning of the pandemic. I yeah. think that's how he kept himself entertained. And I started realizing it's like, oh yeah, this is great. 
you know, just like any social media platform, there's, you know, there are pros and cons to it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I started paying attention to it. And, um, oh, God, where was I going with that? Um, how did we get here? <laughs> my dad is not to think about my it. dad is a young cat. Yeah. A cool kitten. So my dad's huge fan of TikTok. He's always wanted to talk like, all right, what's working on your algorithm? Like, what's the algorithm doing with your content? How's it going? Like, I have a video that's like just so close to being a 100,000 views. And he's like, every day is like 2,000 away, 1,500 away. Wow. You know, it's like he's devoted. He's uh, he's invested into the process. So he had asked the other day, he goes, what was before memes? And I was like, yeah, that's a great question. The answer is, it's always been memes. Huh. Memes is this idea of culture spreading through like, it's like units of culture, right? Yeah. So whether it be like the thing him and I talk about all the time is Kilroy, right? Kilroy, oh, like yeah, Kilroy yeah, was yeah. here in the military. Um, guess what, chicken butt? All these phrases that used to exist <laughs> back when we were kids, we yeah. were like, how did these ideas spread? Well, like somebody started it in high school or middle school, or whatever, and then they told their cousin on the phone and they said it. You know, it, how does how do like these little tidbits of culture that represent either pointless things or great philosophical ideas spread throughout our culture? And, you know, that goes all the way back to like, telling stories in hieroglyphics or yeah. you know, cave paintings, like these ideas of like what culture <laughs> is and what things are, how the world functions, you know, what's trending at the time. Um, I am enjoying just imagining the cool S in a yes. you know, Egyptian hieroglyph. Yes. The cool S is another one. Uh-huh. So I, I, I <laughs> so like, it's funny. Cause like someone would be like, it TikTok's been a big thing to talk about. This channel has been, like, Hey, I heard you doing TikTok thing or whatever. Like, what are you focusing on? And I'm like, and for the last couple of weeks, it's been memes. So I'm like, oh, memes. And I think it's just funny because people are like, oh, that's fun and cute. But like the way that at least I want to eventually kind of craft this channel, it's it's really less about like internet memes, gifts, yeah. you know, these one-offs. It's more about the idea of like how does culture spread in society? Well, and I think it's interesting too because like I think we are maybe at the last precipice. Like there's with every new art form, there is a period that it goes through where it's treated as like, you know, this is – oh, this is what the people like. It's gross. Like Mm -hmm. photography went through that and then cinema went through that. And I kind of feel like memes are going through that right now. And there's classic memes. Yeah. And now that's like starting to connect into like the, the cultural bodies more Mm -hmm. largely. And everyone loves memes. Yeah. Then it's just going to, we're going to have a museum of memes in 30, 40 years time. Like undoubtedly. I mean, that's kind of the goal. I have, like, this weird lofty goal where I'm, like, with this channel, if any outcome could happen, is, to, like, I want to curate memes at, like, a, like, paramount level museum or gallery. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, so one of the series that I've done that's done the best on there is Memes as Classical Art. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've watched I've watched this. a bunch of those, yeah. Um, And uh, it's funny. It's, like, the niche thing is really big on TikTok where you need to be, like, narrowing in on your niche. So right now I have it down to, like, meme kids you know, meme culture and like art kids, <laughs> art culture. Yeah. And um, it's it's funny because I'll like kind of be like, who's eating this video up? Is it the art kids or the meme kids or somewhere in between? Um, and the memes is classical arts series is I think it's about connecting the dots yeah. of like what is art and like what are these ideas? The one that my favorite is, which is awful, awful. It's <laughs> awful content, awful concept. Is, uh, <laughs> Is the ick of just like mansplaining. The meme is bro explaining. Right? Oh, yeah. He's like got his hand around her neck and like talking. And it's just like the memes that come out of that are like, it's just because people have been there. They've experienced that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it represents something very real in our culture. And I found like hundreds 
hundreds of classical paintings that represent like a seemingly female figure bored out of their mind, losing life from their body as some <laughs> man explains something to them. And you're like, this has been around since the dawn of time. Yeah. And like the comments on these are funny, like, because it's like, oh, if crypto was around in like the 1600s, like this is what this dude is talking about, you know? And like the commentary about like, what, oh, what do you think he's actually talking about? Like tulip petals or whatever, you know, like, and it's just funny because it's, it's terrible. Because this has existed for so long. Yeah. But then people start to connect the dots. They're like, oh, shit. These ideas have been around forever. So memes really just represent <laughs> things that have been around for decades, centuries, you yeah. know? like Fundamental human traits. Yeah. For better or for worse. You know, the good and the bad and the terribly ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my knockoff uh, version of the film, the good, the bad, and the yeah. terribly ugly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah i'm realizing that we're we're getting short on time it's been an hour and 40 minutes no oh wow uh, oh, really <laughs> apparently according to the thing <laughs> um what what time did we start uh we got a late start i'm i'm in no rush okay i'm, I'm, I'm uh, honestly in no rush though but you brought in a video can you tell us a little bit about what this video is okay so this video is called the beagle it's a short film that i did uh in sophomore going into my junior year which when i honestly think that was just like one of the like prime times of my life where i was just super i was having fun i wasn't interested in making real money like you know is this a so this is a college sophomore yeah okay sophomore to junior year um junior year was like one of the best times of just like being creative and having fun just Mm. like um also just like or i met my partner fell in love and just and her hands actually in this video uh which is really (laughs) weird um but we should watch it uh i would say that like it's um very revealing (laughs) um that's quite a setup about as close to completely naked as you can get um i just want to warn you i just want to warn you um yeah all right (laughs) So, um, and you'll, my, I'm wearing my inspirations on my sleeve with this one. So, All right. <laughs> um, it's a little slow at times and, uh, I would have cut it down probably in half. How, how long is it? Like six minutes. Okay. This is an awkward way of showing a video. This is live commentary for the chapters part nine. Oh God. You're zooming through some, some books in a library. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very Wes Anderson. There you go. Very Wes Anderson. Oh my god. Oh my god. Good mustache though. <laughs> oh no, the mustache. <laughs> you had the shaving cream on the mustache, you know, I guess abandoned that. Oh, the mustache. <laughs> Nick Nick looks like he's going to die. That's an important and not in the video. Oh, wasn't expecting full face shaving cream with sunglasses over. Oh, <laughs> this is where it gets good. This is over 10 years ago. Uh. (laughs) Looking very cool outside a a building in Chinatown, it looks like. 
smoking a cigarette. Never worked a day in his life. <laughs> this is a good shot. <laughs> Macaroni art. Oh, God. <laughs> I saw that shirt. <laughs> 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 Pretty well directed, I would say. <laughs> oh, he's very he's very angry about the pregnancy. All uh, right, this is the best part. This is this is this is why we're here. Creeping along in a car. Driving by an airport, it looks like. Great stance. <laughs> <laughs> so angry about that bad croquet shot. So oh, many Keystone lights. <laughs> cool, Modi. It's a great shirt. <laughs> Passed out on a roof. Oh, God. <laughs> this gets so bad. <laughs> Who's the person with the baby laying on the roof? Oh my god, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> You're laying on a roof covered in eggs, maybe? Oh god. <laughs> you know, my glory. Your your neighbors must have been very confused. Oh, I got a funny story about that. This was supposed to be like a whole long like series, you know. So it's like setting up something that never happened. We were we were meant to see like all the stories of the beagle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew that was good. <laughs> oh god. Me in all my glory, my <laughs> old, old saggy man butt. Oh. Some great motion design there. I mean, I feel like this is the era of, like, things cropping into the screen, like 24 and stuff yeah. like that. There we go. Oh, <laughs> I don't... 
maybe it was because we were doing the commentary, but I don't feel like I had a good grasp of what was happening. Yeah, and they, I mean, essentially it was like there is this. Essentially, there was this uh, rich kid who had trust fund money, sued his dad, got a lot of money, and then um, just dicked around. And I don't, I don't. <laughs> I was just having fun on Lay, laying on the roof with a pineapple uh, between his legs, naked, wearing a, a man thong. Yeah, and um, we were shooting that scene. Um, funny story, because I was shooting that scene, and like there was a neighbors next to us. There was like an apartment complex, and. What had happened was, I hear I'm we're shooting the shot, and I'm like upside down for like a while, you know, kind of just getting <laughs> blood it's rush. A, it's a decently steep roof too that you're on. Yeah, so I hear this, holy shit! I got get my phone. <laughs> <laughs> There's a photo of me on the roof in that man thong, <laughs> shaving cream on my body, Darth Vader ma- mask with the pineapple. Great, and, and I ended up meeting that neighbor, and his brother was a rapper. And I ended up shooting his music video oh. in Eugene, and it was like one of the first. It was like the real first music video that I did. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. And it and it's a very important meeting. It's actually just by it, chance. It makes it like it honestly looks so much like when I watch that, and then you watch that like the music video afterwards. You're like, damn! Like I actually got my act together and like <laughs> lined up a couple <laughs> decent shots. It's a boring music video, but like you know, at the time, all my friends and like social circle and like the outer circle of that was like oh what you did a music video that's cool and the guy's pretty he's a pretty good rapper honestly um but yeah what was the driving force behind this project just kind of you wanted to tell the beagle story yeah it was like a proof of concept to be like oh i have this idea i was really obsessed with coffee and cigarettes the jim jarmusch you know it's like i was a gonna bu- say it's got a lot of jim jarmusch yeah. it's got a lot of wes anderson yeah so I just wanted to do a bunch of really small shorts and like a bigger conglomerate and that see how they kind of connected together through like kind of a, a meta narrative in a way. Yeah. It never obviously worked out, but it was super fun to do and to shoot. And um I just I just had a ton of fun like shooting that. Um this is some of the best memories I've I can think of, you know. <laughs> well, it's I at least you still have it yeah. captured to video. Yeah. You can go back and watch it and make all the really unhappy faces that you made. <laughs> yeah, through the pandemic, I actually went through and made sure everything on hard drives I backed up and put on like to like a private Vimeo like archive like that's play- smart. Playlist. And um I sent it to some people and was like, oh fun. There's some fun stuff in there. Like <laughs> there's a couple other pieces like that. And it's funny because I don't know. Now I'm like anyone listening to this, like anyone in the design circles in Portland who know me, I feel like I'm known as being like kind of a, I don't want to say straight lace, but like I don't know. It's just like they're <laughs> not a Jim Jarmusch character. Well, not somebody who like puts their friends in tubes and rolls them downhill <laughs> at the fresh age of like thirteen, um, or just like all the like crude humor. It's like I feel like that's the kind of thing I get a lot of inspiration from having people get to know me in different areas for certain things, and I get a lot of inspiration to kind of defy those those ideas of myself. Um, I'm interested in so many different things, and it's like a lot of the people I worked with that instrument, if they saw this, they'd be like, their minds would probably be blown because they'd be like, you made stupid shit like that? Like, what? <laughs> like, it's embarrassing, you know? Um, but I think that's such an important lesson, too, for folks who are just starting out. Like, yeah. you, your output right now is not going to be your output in 10 years. Yeah. How you do things is going to change. What you're interested in is going to change. Like, you can't 
like lock yourself into the like I have to decide what the next 40 years of my life are going to be today. Yeah. In freshman year. Yeah, it's a good I mean, especially just with how technology works and how design and art creative trends work. I mean, everything's shifting and yeah. reshaping itself and remolding itself every couple of years. Um I mean, art movements are just at hyperspeed now. Yeah. You know, and I think that it's important to kind of take the best creatives that I know like even just like people around me you know like i appreciate adam garcia in his mindset because of the way he perceives like human nature and just like where we are at in this part of humanity yeah any artist that i really admire you know virgil or brian eno john baldessari those are some of my favorite creators of all time and it's like they're all very obsessed with this idea of like what movement are we in currently and like what does that mean in the greater context of the world and adam's a very much like a futurist he's thinking about like what is like what are these realities and stories that we're going to be telling tomorrow about today and those are the things that like if you can pull yourself out of where you're at and think about like this moment in time versus like the trajectory of your career path it is going to unfold in so many different ways, and I think that's the best advice young designers and creatives can take from a five-minute conversation, a three-hour-long podcast with me. Like, is that like, <laughs> you know, I hope it's not three hours by the time I get done cutting it. Get the director's See how cut. tired I am. We got the director's cut. <laughs> Nick, if people want to find you and your work, where do they do that? I think the best place to find me is on TikTok. Yes, on LoFi Art School. Go follow. That's really, like. that's it, honestly. I mean, a lot of that stuff will hit the Instagram um, as well. or even. Are you also doing YouTube for that, too? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's almost like you kind of just have to yeah. if you want to, like, no matter where you want to get, you have to spread yourself as wide as you can. And it's it's pretty painful, honestly, to, like, do the same videos in three different places and, like, reformat it. Honestly, just started to get really lazy to be, like, if there's no watermarks, I'm just uploading it. I'm not going <laughs> through the process of, like, creating an original one for each and every one of them. No. It's just a way to get them back to, like, the place. Yeah. You know? So that's the best place. Um, Lo-fi art school, all one word. Yeah. Everyone, it's funny because it's like, oh, Lofi. And it's like, <laughs> Lofi. And it's like, I, I totally understand. It's like a very now thing. You know, it's like, what is it like lo-fi girl or like lo-fi cow you know oh, like, yeah the 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 chill the chill music yeah mm-hmm. video thing. yeah never ending like looping animation and like just chill beats yeah a modern <laughs> classic honestly it's one of those things where like today it seems like a trendy like just cool kids thing and then in, like 20 years they're gonna be like it's like iconic. Like yeah. pe- people are gonna have tattoos of it. Um, thank you so much for being here, Nick. Yes, absolutely. And I just want everybody to know that uh, safety is very important to me. <laughs> and, um, the safety of my friends and my coworkers and my reports is very important to me. And lessons learned as a kid that you don't put your friends in a barrel. And yes, no, home. no individuals were harmed during the making uh, of these videos or this podcast. Absolutely not. Yeah. Although we are gonna have to probably we we have heat stroke almost yeah. certainly from how hot it is yeah. in here yeah the liquid death is not providing enough sustenance liquid wise the liquid death in my liver because i have to pee so yeah bad. emphasis on death unfortunately yeah. <laughs> uh and thank you also to you for listening to the show i'm talking to you the listener not nick although i was talking to nick for most of the hour so i understand why you would be confused but if you did enjoy the show i would love it if you could hop on a service that lets you write a review for it because that helps people find the show. And, you know, maybe give it five stars while you're there if that's a thing that you can do on that platform. It also helps if you tell a friend because word of mouth is invaluable uh, for podcasts. Um, 
we're producing all the words with our mouths right now. If you want to find more about the show, you can follow us via our website. Did I do that dot design uh, where you can find our Twitter and our Instagram and maybe not our LinkedIn because I think I'm going to stop doing that because there's nobody using it. Anyway, I'm Sean Schumacher. This is Did I Do That? And as always, we say no one was harmed during the making of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to let Nick go to the bathroom so he isn't actually harmed. Okay. Bye, everybody. recording I've done with the computer since I updated the Monterey. I can't keep track of the names Some anymore. fancy rock. They they kind of lost me when they let go of the big cat names, even though they thoroughly ran out of them. Yeah, they were like, all right, we got Snow Leopard. Uh, yeah, this is uh, a big, big leopard. Yeah. It's a different one. Yeah. Uh, $90, please. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. I'm just kidding. I did. Well, I I mean, it's the medium of audio, so I, I can't really see you at all. That would be terrible. I don't want that. Um, <laughs> this bit has already gotten away from me. Oh, God. Um, anyway, I wanted to pop in and uh, let you all know that uh, this is the end of our first season. And I am so excited about the next season that we'll have coming up. And that is going to be happening very, very soon. We are going to be back with new episodes at the end of August. But until then, I'm I'm going to be uh, traveling to help produce those. And I'm going to be uh, sharing some old favorites that you may have missed. Old being in the sense that probably they aired early in 2022. Um, but it's a great chance for, you know, if you are new to the show, to go check those out. Or to, you know, maybe give them a second listen if you uh, are already familiar with them. I, I also wanted to take a moment to kind of thank everybody for supporting this very strange project. There's not really a template for a thing like this out in the world. And that goes for you, the listeners, for supporting this and our guests, because, you know, it's their their vulnerability, uh, their ability to, you know, kind of uh, take some, some work that they've done in the past and, you know, share it with all of you that has really made all this possible. Um, because, you know, like this, this show doesn't function without that. So, uh, yeah, thank you to our guests. Thank you to you, the listeners. And thank you to um, Cars for allowing the ability to travel places, because that is what will be happening. Uh, So, again, new episodes are going to be back end of August. So thank you, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Bye.